everybody, welcome to episode 13 of the flagship podcast, Taylor Estes, managing editor of Horns 24-7, uh, sitting right next to me here in the heart of the Alamo City. <laughs> Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's kind of weird to be doing this like next to each other because normally, spoiler alert to some of our listeners here, but normally we do our podcast via Skype. So this is the first time where I actually... I, get to see chip while i'm doing it you guys so That's i know right. you're probably jealous that i get to sit in front and cross from him but <laughs> telling you what we've been here for a few days here in san antonio as texas prepares for the alamo bowl uh, against utah today we got some some surprises <laughs> not so good surprises with a couple of uh, player suspensions um, linebackers david benda and byron vaughn's sent home for a violation of team rules. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but we're counted down to kickoff. And last night, the official word finally came down. Mike Yurisich is the offensive coordinator at Texas. We've been talking about it for a week <laughs> or more, longer, really, because we've we've had two uh, podcast interviews about Mike Yurisich. And we got another one today uh, with Robert Allen, the longtime sideline reporter for Oklahoma State football talking about Mike Yersich. We'll also talk to the godfather, Bobby Burton, about the hire. And, of course, if you're not a member at Horns 24-7, what better way to ring in the new year than with an annual membership to Horns 24-7 so that you get all the VIP access to all the team sites in the 24-7 sports network. I mean, my man, our man, Mike Roach, is here in San Antonio as well, working his butt off, mm -hmm. uh, covering all the recruits, preparing to play in the uh, Army all, or the uh, All-American game, I should say. Um, and and so you want to get over to Horns 24/7 and get all the latest scoop on recruiting, on the new offensive and defensive coordinator hires uh, by Tom Herman and Taylor. Let's let's start there because obviously. Uh, well, actually, let's let's knock out this suspension thing um, with David Benda and Byron Bonds. So the first thing I heard about this, and I'm like, huh, two linebackers. Their linebackers coach was Todd Orlando. He's not here. Their linebackers coach is former Iowa State linebacker Jeremiah George, who just finished up in the NFL in 2018, has no coaching experience, was an analyst at Texas this year and got elevated to linebackers coach. I'm not trying to put the blame on, on a lack of supervision, but these bowl games are distracting enough. Right. You're allowed to go out. You got a lot of free time. Your coaches give you freedom to go out to curfew at midnight or one or whatever. And obviously uh, these guys blew it and, and Byron Vaughns is a guy that they count on on special teams. He's their second leading tackler on special teams. Right. And David Benda started a game this year against Kansas mm -hmm. and is a guy that was probably not going to play in the Alamo Bowl because he'd played in four games, and he's a true freshman, and they were going to redshirt him. So it's not like that's some huge loss. But Byron Vaughns is a guy they – they need depth at linebacker, and he's a guy that they count on on special teams. Absolutely. I mean, linebacker, in my opinion, is probably the biggest concern for the Texas defense because of the lack of depth, the lack of bodies that they have available, and now a lack of a coach at the position, you know, and, and not you know knocking Jeremiah George or anything along those lines, but, you know, he's not their coach. So it's 
not helpful right now for this already struggling Texas team. This already, you know, struggling Texas defense has gotten much better after they start getting players back. They start getting guys healthy. And, um, you know, the, the stat sheet will even prove that. Um, however, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, so these other defensive coaches are fighting for their jobs. Like, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. You know, I think that is very clear that w- I don't think anyone knows at this point who is going to be on the staff on defense. And this bowl game, you know, it's, it's something where they could sh- like help try to prove themselves. And now these two defensive players are not going to be here. So, you know, as you mentioned, David Benda probably would not be starting or playing in this game because he has already played in four games. But just the distraction already. I mean, I kind of, you know, it's funny because earlier today um, in our Horns 24-7 group text, you know, Bobby Burton kind of made a mention of the last time that Texas, or was it the last? No, it was 2012 when Texas played against Oregon State when Case McCoy and Jordan Hicks were sent home um, because of a violation of team rules. And it's like, I don't know what it is about this city. I don't know if it's something with San Antonio. Maybe something's Trevon in the river walk. had yeah. an episode here and yeah. got suspended. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to be a place where, you know, like, like as you mentioned, you know, bowl games, they have a lot more freedom than they do, um, even though they're staying with the coaches to, or a team hotel. You know, coaches are there. They still have – freedom and uh, ability to leave and go out and do whatever they want to do for, you know, to a certain extent. But it does not help this team at all to have another distraction that's off the field distraction with the amount of off the field distractions that Texas has had over the last, you know, 30 days at this point. Yeah, no question about it. And there's already question about how focused Texas will be when they take the field against Utah in uh, this New Year's Eve Alamo Bowl matchup against number 11 Utah, a team like Texas where their draft-eligible seniors are all saying, we're good, we're playing, we're in the lineup. So we should get a a really good representation of both of these teams. Uh, Tom Herman saying today, we're as healthy as we've been. And uh, and so we'll we'll get into that in our our tailgate takeaways. you know about where the where the program is leaving 2019 and headed into 2020 but um you know we'll get into mike yursich with bobby burton um coming up here in a second but taylor I, one thing i thought was interesting was i asked tom herman today uh at the coaches press conference here at the alamo bowl in san antonio how he plans to divide his coaching positions um right. on his staff he had six offensive assistants and four defensive assistants this past season. He said, I plan to have five defensive assistants, five offensive assistants, which would indicate one receivers coach. And he said specifically on defense, he, won, he plans, he said, don't hold me to it, but as of right now, he plans to have a linebackers coach, a safeties coach, and Chris Ash has been a safeties coach in the past, uh, a cornerbacks coach, a defensive tackles coach, and a defensive ends coach. Right. So I think this is interesting because I have heard the name Elijah Robinson, who's a defensive line, is the defensive line coach at Texas A&M. And could he possibly be the defensive tackles coach 
and Oscar Giles be the defensive ends coach? Or does Chris Ash, you know, who does he retain from the current staff, uh, if anyone? Mm -hmm. And as we, you know, sort of project forward there, um, I've also uh, heard the name Rob Smith as a, as a possible linebackers coach. He's a former uh, defensive coordinator at Arkansas uh, who is, I believe, a consultant analyst at A&M right now. So, you know, keep an eye on, on those names. We've also heard Emmett, Emmett Jones, the Kansas receivers coach, as a possible hire uh, as the receivers coach at Texas also. Uh, Tyron Carrier's name, he's at Houston. He used to be at West Virginia with, with Dana Holgerson. He's from Houston. Um, obviously, you want your receivers coaches to be your or your receiver coach to be one of your best recruiters. Right, that and tight ends coach a lot of times, yeah. Right, and, and uh, so interesting times, but interesting that Tom Herman is talking about five assistants on defense, five on offense. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that that's smart. You know, I, I thought it was kind of surprising that I, I understand why Tom did have six, you know, offensive assistants because I think he didn't want to make too many changes to the staff because they just won, you know, the or they had, you know, a first winning season. He's all about staff continuity, saying how important that is um, for the future of the program. And it's something that Texas really has not had at all. Um, but it just seemed kind of strange that you're putting I felt like it was almost them setting their defense up a little bit for failure um, by only having four assistants because the other thing too they only have one analyst on defense as well last season yet there were I believe two or, or three there there was a few analysts on offense so, right including Larry Fedora mm -hmm, Larry Fedora and Andre, Andre Coleman. Coleman yep and so I thought you know, I know that Tom is an offensive-minded head coach. It's the side of the ball that he understands. You know, he was tasked with having to call the plays because, um, you know, it didn't work out with Tim Beck as a play caller in his first season at Texas uh, in the first, you know, half of last season as well. But when you only have – when you have, you know, eight voices in one room and four and five, who, one who can't coach team, the players on the field, like, what, what are you doing, you know? And I think that this will be good for Texas to have – more of an even, you know, number of balance of coaches on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see who, if anyone, that Texas does retain, you know, from everything that I have heard. There's reason for, I think, a lot of um, possible change on both sides of the ball with the coaching staff. But, you know, I think Texas has to be careful with that because, you know, if you look at the talent right now on Texas roster, a lot of the talent, a lot of the best talent, these, you know, top three recruiting classes that they've signed have been on the defensive side of the ball. So if you get rid of coaches, you have to wonder if players are going to transfer, what's going to happen there, you know, and with the transfer portal era now, it's never been easier for players to leave and sometimes get immediate eligibility based off of anything that could have happened. You know, I mean, coaching changes, except for head coaching changes, um, usually won't be the reason why the players will get granted immediate eligibility. But, I mean, we've seen it time and again how many players got immediate eligibility by entering the transfer portal, including, you know, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields when he left Georgia. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what, with these staff shakeups, what happens in you know, the team shakeups too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's going to be 
uh, a lot. We're chasing after it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not uh, we're not sitting around here, you know, drinking margaritas on the Riverwalk. Okay, we may have done that a few times, but okay. <laughs> maybe a little. But <laughs> Very late at night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After, not after sources were safely tucked in their beds. Exactly. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. A couple of quick thoughts on Mike Yurcich before we get to Bobby Burton. Um, I like this hire, mm-hmm. I, and I wrote that at Horns 24/7. And uh, if you're again, if you're not a annual member at Horns 24/7, and you call yourself a Texas fan, come on in. Welcome to the family, and uh, we'll welcome you with open arms. <laughs> absolutely, it's the best value out there, and uh, and we'll we'll get you all the latest scoop. Uh, the eyes of Texas, we're, we're always uh, getting after it. Mike Roach with all of his scoop uh, on recruiting. Jeff Howe, just a prolific, a machine covering football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, Taylor, a newsbreaker. And, you know, I try to break a few stories myself. Yeah, you have a pretty good track record, so and, we'll give you that. <laughs> and, and the godfather, Bobby Burton, knows just about everyone in college football. Right. So come on in to the family. But I like this hire. I like Mike Yurcich uh, as a hire because he's he's already done what Tom Herman is bringing him in to do. Mm-hmm. He's he's blended his offensive concepts into existing offenses. He did it at Oklahoma State and again at Ohio State. And everywhere he goes, the numbers go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, prolific offenses, top top twenty offenses in scoring, which is really the only stat that matters on offense. In five of his six years at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. uh, including a no, the number four offense in 2017 when Mason Rudolph won the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. And, I mean, even when he was at Shippensburg, he had a quarterback named Zach Zuli who won um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Heisman for FCS mm-hmm. and, and set records. And that's how Gundy found him, found him on the Internet, looking at prolific small school offenses. And and then um, Yersich, you know, some people have said, well, I heard Gundy ran him off. Well, Yersich is from Euclid, Ohio. I think when Ryan Day called, it was sort of a call home. Mm-hmm. Um, Yersich's wife is, and family are still near Columbus. So... I think he missed play calling, and Tom Herman's bringing him in to call plays. Tom Herman does not want to call plays. Right. This Alamo Bowl, Tom Herman said, I hope, is my last game calling plays. Mm-hmm. He's like, some head coaches like it. I don't. It takes away from me being the head coach. So I think he'll turn the keys over to Mike Yersich, and I think this thing will will roll. Right. I, I'll be surprised if it doesn't. I think, I think you're right, and I think the thing, too, with um, – hiring Mike Yersich it's a better fit than probably a Graham Harrell because I don't think Graham Harrell would have wanted to have the you know almost the hover parent type of thing like looking over them a little bit and uh, I think for sure that you know Tom it's clear that you know his play calling worked in year one it worked a little bit to start the season this in 2019 Um, but it it became bland and I and I'm not this isn't a knock on Tom you know there 
at any major university, there are so many responsibilities that these coaches, the head coaches, have to deal with. And at Texas, I mean, you have not just normal responsibilities that other coaches have, like, you know, media availabilities and going, you know, being the face of the program, hugging, you know, kissing babies and hugging people and all of that. You also have your own network dedicated to your university that you have to be involved with a lot. It's in their contract, you know, with Longhorn Network. It's in the contract that there has to be a certain number of coaching shows. It has to be, you know, there's requirements outside of the regular D1 head coaches responsibilities at the University of Texas. So I think it became very clear that Tom Herman was in a, over his head a little bit in taking over the play calling. And and I don't fault him for that at all. You know, he has a lot on his plate. So I think with Mike Yersich, it'll be a good situation because I think they can min, like kind of mold their philosophies, their concepts together. Tom Wolf. I, I mean, I can't imagine him entirely handing over the keys to anybody on <laughs> offense as an offensive-minded guru. I mean, he, he built his career on being a great offensive coach. So I don't think that having a Graham Harrell come in and, you know, not necessarily wanting to, not saying that he wouldn't want to take, you know, responsibility or um, take any type of uh, suggestions or anything from Tom, but he probably wants to run his own offense. He's never not done that and has been successful when he has run his own offense. So I think that for sure, you know, Mike Yersich will be a better fit for Texas and for Tom Herman. Um, And so, you know, I think from my sources who I spoke with, you know, Tom reached out to Mike Gundy, and Mike Gundy gave a rave review about about Mike Yersich. And, uh, you know, we kind of hinted at that a little bit. You know, Tom was doing his due diligence. You know, from what I was told, it was talking to Mike Gundy a lot and relying on Mike Gundy. So I think that this will be a good fit for Texas. I think you're right, Chip. It'll be a better fit than probably some other coaches that could have been in the mix. You know, I think people wanted the splash hire, but – Sometimes the splash hire doesn't pan out, especially if you have differing opinions and differing concepts. And, um, you know, if you don't want to have somebody else kind of controlling what you're doing. But, you know, I'm curious to get more of your take on this and also um, Bobby Burton's take. So let's bring in the godfather of this industry, Horns 24-7 publisher, Bobby Burton. Bobby, the godfather of Horns247.com and, of course, founder along with Shannon Terry of Rivals.com, 247sports.com. The guy is the godfather. And Happy New Year, Bobby. Happy New Year to you, Chip. Hey, man. um, We're sitting here in the heart of the Alamo City, uh, watching the Big 12 implode in the bowl season. And the Longhorns, uh, man, how are we feeling going into this uh, Alamo Bowl game against Utah and the chances of Texas finally putting the Big 12 on the board? Well, they're clearly without their offensive and defensive coordinator. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, Whoops. I think, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's tie one hand behind our back and try to fight, you know. I, but I, that, that being said, given uh, the totality of the situation and uh, – where Texas is as a program, I don't have a problem with, with going into this bowl game without their regular coordinators. Um, the, the change had to be made and, and was the priority of the off season. So I, I think that'll be fine. Uh, and now I think they can look at it and try to go forward uh, as they, as they uh, move into 2020 and uh, see what's going on, what's going to be interesting, I think. And you're probably 
following this as, as well, and I know you are actually, is who are the assistants going to be that they bring in? Um, and additionally, are there going to be other changes to the head coaching positions around the Big 12, uh, specifically that at uh, Oklahoma and Baylor with both Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule on the, the name, on the tips of tongues of some NFL owners right now? whether it's uh, with the Cowboys or, or the New York Giants. So yeah. it should be an interesting interesting two weeks, I think, after the bowl games play out and during the bowl games. But uh, Longhorns are at least uh, ready to go against uh, Utah with or without their former coordinators. Well, and my dark horse uh, to be the next Cowboys coach is Dan Mullen, currently the head coach at Florida. I'll just throw that out there. Why? Because of, Dak, the, because of Dak Prescott? Because he coached Dak Prescott, but he's also, um, you know, I think he's one of the better offensive minds in football. I mean, I think he's a really creative and um, top-notch offensive play caller uh, and a guy who could take that talent in Dallas and, and really do a lot with it. Um, we'll see. Just keep an eye on that one. I'm a big Dan Mullen guy. I don't know how you feel about Dan Mullen, Bobby. Well, I mean, that he was there every time Urban won anything in, in, the, in either Utah or Florida. Uh, and, and those offenses uh, certainly were, were uh, pieces to the puzzle. Uh, the only other time Urban won anything big was when Tom Herman was uh, at uh, Ohio State with him. So yep. I could see that. I mean, I think that. I do not know if Dan Mullen's style would work in the NFL, um, per se, uh, even as a play caller. I think he, he tends to be a little close to the vest. And then I, I, I would I would have, I don't know that that would be a great hire for for uh, the Cowboys. That being said. If Jerry intends to continue to be the t- team's GM, that's. <laughs> You know, it it may be, it, it may not even be worth talking about because right. I think that, that, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you know, Jerry Jones needs to give up that job if if you want to get serious about it. Otherwise, it just, just uh, too many too many people have input, and he's the only one with the final say. And I'm not sure he's the one that should get it. So. Yeah, the shoot, ready, aim approach. Yeah. And when I covered the Cowboys, Bobby, from 2000 to 2003, the the running joke, and it still stands, the guys who I still talk to there with the Cowboys, the running joke was whoever talked to Jerry last in the minutes before the decision had to be made, if it made enough sense, there was a chance he would go with it. Sounds so, like a current president. Yeah, well, everybody, everyone was always trying to get <laughs> no, in, in the way. The right. Everybody okay. was trying to get that last five minutes with Jerry before the decision had to be made. Um, okay, speaking of decisions made, Tom Herman has made his decision. Um, talking to Bobby Burton, uh, the godfather at Horns247.com. Mike Yersich. Mike Yersich. Uh, six years, the offensive play caller at Oklahoma State, and uh, most recently this past season, the quarterback's coach, passing game coordinator at Ohio State. 
on an offense that is currently third in FBS in scoring with a quarterback who threw for 41 touchdowns with three interceptions, two of them in the semifinal loss to Clemson. Uh, Bobby, your initial thoughts on Mike Yersich as you offensive know, I think coordinator. I think it's an interesting tab. I mean, I, I'm still not, I'm not uh, sold on him, I guess is the best way to put it. But okay. I think okay. the proof will be in the pudding. I mean, that's it's the way that it's gone. So now it's time to see what what. Uh, you're not what sold on means. him, or you're not sold on his ability to mesh with Herman. Him. Okay. I'm more on. I'm more, ability to mesh with Herman is not necessarily uh, what I would I would try to make the hire on. I would try to make the hire on production, and I'm just not sure how much of the offense. In, in at Oklahoma State was him versus Gundy. I do think Mike Gundy has a way of uh, calling a pretty good game every so often. Uh, and likewise, uh, the uh, title of passing game coordinator in at Ohio State, uh, you know, isn't that much either. It doesn't do that much for me. And so, look, I, I think that it could be a could end up being a great hire and unleash whatever is left of the Texas offense with Sam Ellinger at, at the helm if he's actually not truly contemplating leaving for the NFL early, which I think is borders on the ridiculous. But he, I think that, that Yersich is, is a let's, let's wait and see higher, as I do most of these guys. I mean, I don't, like, I don't know that, that I would have categorized anybody as a home run hire. Uh, as offensive coordinator, even Graham Harrell, who wants to throw it around all the time, but not necessarily have the personnel to do it, you know. So, so let's. Is let's it fair to see. say that you're glass half full, and I'm glad, or glass half? You're glass half empty, and I'm glass half full. I'm always glass half, glass half empty on these change, coaching okay. changes. Okay, that's there. good. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a. I, I think there's a time to fire people, and I think that it was time to fire Tim Beck as play caller Agreed. slash whatever he was. Okay, I was not that way on Todd Orlando, despite the fact that Orlando had uh, much worse stats in some categories than than the offensive side did, because I thought that Orlando had actually proven himself in other categories leading up to it, and I felt I felt like they all all they needed was a few tweaks to what he was doing. So I, I, I'm not a fire them all kind of guy. Um, but when I am, I don't think there's any, I don't think you wait to, to cut bait. I think you do it right away. And so um, that being said, uh, Herman took that approach, I think, pretty much. As soon as he was ready, he made the call on both Orlando and uh, Tim Beck. And, you know, I, I feel like I actually like the Ash hire better than the Yersich hire. Okay. Um, if if you want to go in that direction, but it you know I I'm willing Why? to give ample room to either of them and both I took or to both of them actually. So okay, why 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 are you more excited about the Ash higher than the Yersich higher? Oh, I think he's more tip. I, I think that first of all, I think defense tends to be. Um, I want to say this the right way without coming up. I think that the number of good defensive coaches is higher than the number of good offensive coaches. Okay. So I think, I think this day and time, it's actually easier 
to coach and maximize defense than it is to coach and maximize offense. And so more people can actually coach and maximize defense. It really comes down much more so these days to personnel on defense. If you don't have guys that can run fast, tackle, and play physical, you're not going to be that good on defense. I don't care if you have them in the right spot or not. Uh, Whereas in offense, I think it's much more of a uh, nuanced, execution-based situation. Whereas on defense, your majority of time you're reacting to others. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. I think there's probably 10 to 15 offenses every year that you'd want to emulate. I think there's probably 30 to 40 defenses that are in the same category, and it just depends on what kind of player you have. Okay. And that's the, that's the difference of the in the production, typically. Now, Mike Gundy, in his own words, said that when he brought in Yursich, he you know, had turned over the play calling, then he took it back, and he kind of like Herman, and then didn't want it. And so he brought in Yursich, and he turned over the play calling to Yursich, and in the six years that Yursich was the offensive play caller from 13 to 18, Oklahoma State had five top 20 scoring offenses, including the number four scoring offense in 2017. And Mason Rudolph developed into a, a Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award winner and third round draft pick. Uh, in the NFL, and and Oklahoma State went five and one against Texas in that in that span. I I always say, show me, don't tell me. That's what I tell my kids all the time. Show me, don't tell me. Well, in Yursich's case, he showed you know a five and one record against Texas. So I think this ends up being a really good hire because first of all, Yursich came from Shippensburg, adapted his concepts to Gundy's offense in Gundy's terminology, then did it again. Now, he wasn't calling the plays at Ohio State, but he worked with Justin Fields uh, as the quarterback's coach. And and now he comes to Texas where they're going to keep Herman's terminology, Herman's offense, and Yurcich will then work within that. Um, and I think because he's been running power spread at Oklahoma State, at Ohio State, this is a much better fit than Graham Harrell, which had a sort of high stakes, high risk, high reward, uh, you know, feel to it. But Harrell had to be all in, and he wasn't. So that's that's that 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 just goes off into the ocean. This feels right, and and I think that Yursich is a you know really creative play caller. And talking to the people who've been around him, he's a guy who does some nice subtle things breaks tendencies right when you least expect it uh did it a number of times against texas and gets his quarterbacks into rhythm gets some gets drives going which i thought was what made tom herman a really good play caller when he was an offensive coordinator and even in 2018 when defenses didn't have a lot of film on tom herman uh calling the plays uh, again at texas i i think this ends up being a really good situation and I'd, I've heard that Penn State and Notre Dame both express interest in Yurcich, uh for their offensive coordinator positions but Yurcich and Herman were were moving along in uh in getting their deal done so I I think this is a I think this is a good hire by Tom Herman 
No, good. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm willing to be moved off the subject. It's not like I've I've got to believe one way or the other. I, I just think that um, typically I I want to wait on on these things yeah. before saying something's a slam dunk one way or the other. No, it's good. Um, I, I feel like uh, I felt that way. The only coordinator I've felt hugely negative towards coming out of the gate was Sean Watson. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Charlie strong. I, I felt like that was just a mediocre hire to start. Um, especially given, uh, a number of other people that were, were that would have been available. Right. And likewise, I'm looking at it and, you know, there are other times where I thought, you know, Texas came up short, whether it was Manny Diaz or, uh, you know, I thought that that uh, going I, as much as I think Dwayne Aquino is a bright football mind, I didn't think him being the defensive coordinator was necessarily the right call, given uh, his lack of calling plays at, heading into it. You know, um, so I, you know, Let me... there are a bunch of different ways to look at that, uh, and and I think that um, if you really look at the situation um, right now. As, as I do, I mean, Texas has an experienced defense coming back. So if a very, very experienced defense coming back, I think they're going to, if they're not the best defense in the Big 12, it, they're going to be, be close. Offense, they have a fourth-year starter at quarterback. If you're not one of the best offenses in the Big 12 with a fourth-year starter at quarterback, you're probably, you're, your team name is probably Kansas. So, <laughs> I, I mean, my point being, we all got to see what, what happens there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, we're now moving into the final phase of the hires, and that is the position coaches. How do you think Tom Herman should handle that or and or what do you think uh, Texas needs? Are there any names that you'd love to see uh, as position coaches from a coaching standpoint, recruiting standpoint, um, what what do the horns need, Bobby, uh, as as position coaches for uh, for for your such and Ash? Yeah. Well, my question is first of all, are, do you think they're going to go with two receivers coaches here? Well, that's a legitimate question. Yeah. Because if not, then the defense coordinator can be a walk around coach, um, and that leaves you with a linebackers and a DB coach and maybe the the coordinator takes the safeties does that make sense to you well Tom Herman said today that on defense he's planning to have five assistants on defense which he hasn't had it's been six offense four defense he said on on defense he's looking to have a linebackers coach safeties coach corner coach defensive tackles coach and defensive ends coach now oh wow now he said you know don't he said don't hold me to that but as of right now he said you know as these interviews whatever go on if i find a a a special teams guy that's just off the charts maybe uh you know put a a tight end special teams coach whatever but um that's what he said five five defensive assistants linebackers safeties corners defensive tackles defensive ends so uh it sounds like one receivers coach 
Yeah, I, I, that surprises me. Um, that means he's going to combine, obviously, the, the safeties and defense coordinator to Chris Ash. Uh, that means that um, if you want to talk cornerback coaches, I mean, how about Dwayne Aquina? Um, Dwayne's out at Stanford right now. And if you're telling me that, that I could have any cornerback co- coach in the country, he, he'd probably be at the top of my list. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he's a terrific, terrific recruiter and a, and a solid, even better coach and a better person. So you have to put him in there. Um, there are others, obviously, but the linebacker coach, the, the fact that he wants to still go linebacker and defensive tackle, that just brings a bunch of different uh, possibilities uh, to bear. I just don't know. Uh, which direction he wants to go in there. Okay, so um, uh, yeah, it, I got you. From a from a recruiting standpoint, where where have they been deficient uh, with the current staff or the the staff that is now in transition, and where do they need to get stronger? It's hard to say deficient um, in some categories uh, because they like like I feel like personally, Oscar Giles has not been as good as he could have has not done as good as he could have done at defensive line at the same time you know they're they're pretty salty on the defensive line right now so you gotta you know somehow it worked out you you know what i mean by that right and uh so i don't i don't think you can just point to oscar and say oh he, he didn't do but at the same time uh i look at uh i look at across the board and i'm I don't know, maybe linebacker isn't as blue chip as you'd want it. Um, I think that uh, depth along the offensive lines is not as blue chip as you'd want it. Um, uh, you know, there's just uh, there are parts of the receiver recruiting that I question, um, and that has more to do with overall team speed than it does anything else. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they've got – like I said, I mean, you look at their one deep on defense next year, and they're pretty salty. You look at their one deep on offense, and they're pretty good. So, and we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Bobby, great stuff as always, my friend. Um, glass half empty. I'm glass half full. And we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how 2020 uh, rings in. Actually, New Year's Eve. Uh, with Texas, I have, one, I have one question for you, Chip. Yeah, one one question. If you could have one New Year's resolution for Texas football, what would it be? Man, um, an offense that evolves. You know, an offense that evolves. I I, I just thought it was it's just stultifying to watch that season come apart this year, and um as the offense just had no answer uh, for Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU. Uh, I almost felt bad for Sam Ellinger to be in an offense without a rudder, it seemed. So I just, you know, I thought the defense got better as the as the injured players came back. But there were things about Todd Orlando that drove me crazy, playing his ends in the four-eye and, and not outside the – offensive tackle and the five technique it drove me insane so i'm i'm ready to to see defensive ends play outside the offensive tackle and and defensive linemen use their hands and and then i'm ready to see an offense that evolves and 
listen, if I'm watching Oklahoma State's offense from 13 to 18 over the next five, six years, I'm good with that. That's fun offense to watch. It's productive. And and then you get a defense that can can put a choke on some of these uh, on, or at least contain some of these, you know, high flying Big 12 offenses. And of course, in 2020, we have to see who's, you know, if Lincoln Riley's still at o- Oklahoma and Matt Rule is is still at Baylor. So, we got a lot to look forward to, my friend. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, happy you. happy I- happy new year and uh, let's do it again next week. All right, you take care, Chip. Hook him. All right, there he is. Bobby Burton, the Godfather, uh, in a special New Year's episode, episode 13 of the Flagship Podcast. Uh, We roll on. Joined now on the Flagship Podcast by Robert Allen, longtime sideline reporter uh, at Oklahoma State, triple play sports radio, um, gopokes.com. The guys has dialed into Oklahoma State as it comes and actually actually let's go with pokesreport.com pokes yeah, report changed yeah pokes, pokes I've, report. i've left the 247 family well <laughs> you know I, you're still my guy you know what i'm saying i like it pokes i like it you're still my guy pokesreport.com dot com and yeah, uh and triple play sports radio right there you go. All right. That's what I'm talking about. And your show is Tell the Folks Every Day where they can find you on the on the radio. Yeah, we've got it. We've got an app, and it's tripleplaysportsradio.com. Uh, you can find it from uh, 10 to 1, 10 uh, to 1 Central. So when uh, the week that uh, the Longhorns are playing Oklahoma State, if you want the enemy side, tune in. All right. That's good stuff right there. Um, and, Robert, how long have you been doing the sideline reporting? at Oklahoma State. Wow, since uh, since Les Miles came in. So what was that, about 2000, 2001? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Good for you. Well, we figured there was no better person to talk to about Mike Yersich than the guy who saw him up close and personal, did all those pregame and postgame interviews for the six years that Mike Yersich was the offensive coordinator, offensive play caller for Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. And, Robert, take people through the unique way that, that Mike Gundy found Mike Yersich at Shippensburg, uh, and then we'll kind of go through his time there in Stillwater. You know, uh, he went. He just simply went to the Internet and went to the stats. And Mike Gundy's always been a believer that the best coaches aren't just in the NFL and Division One. You know, he, he'll, he'll tell you he thinks a lot of the best coaches – uh, our high school coaches. Uh, I know he probably shares that feeling with, you know, a former Longhorn coach, Mac Brown. Mac Brown, I know, used to, you know, talk about how great the high school coaches are in Texas. And part of that is, is recruiting, but part of it is, is true. There's some darn good football coaches at that level, at the JC level, and Mike thought also at Division Two, which is what Shippensburg is. So he simply went to the uh, the stats and said, okay what school's hot as far as offense. And he was looking for somebody that was good with both the run game and the pass game. And he, he stumbled across Mike Yersich at Shippensburg, who not only had a great offense, but also had the uh, Harlan Hill Award winner, for the, which is basically 
the Heisman for Division Two. Your quarterback at uh, Shippensburg had just won the uh, the Harlan Hill Trophy. So, Zach Zuli. Uh, yeah. So Mike Mike went to um, had a recruiting trip to make back east. Uh, landed at a small airport in Maryland, had Mike Yersich drive over to uh, meet him. Uh, they discussed it in just a little bitty airport terminal, private airport terminal. And the next thing you know, Mike Gundy's hiring Mike Yersich. And, you know, I, I, I uh, called Mike yesterday uh, when he got the job or, or the day he got the job and it was announced. And I uh, said, man, it's going to be tough looking at you on that. On those other side, that other sideline wearing, you know, Texas orange. But uh, I, I think he, I always thought he was a heck of a coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, first of all, commendable for Mike Gundy because Gundy has found one top-notch offensive coordinator after another, whether it was Larry Fedora or, or Dana Holgerson. Yeah, that, that's mine. Yeah. Hey, big fan of the show, I can tell back there yeah, she she's a fierce competitor so love that who is that that's sandy sandy jack yeah she's a jack russell that will uh she'll get after she'll it take your she's, take your legs off she will well you know, so. gundy you know has done a really good job of finding guys who will come in and run his his offense with his terminology and and so talk about your in in the line of those offensive coordinators Larry Fedora, Dana Holgerson, uh, Todd Monken. Yeah, he. Uh, I thought he fit in really good at the time he came in because uh, Oklahoma State needed some help in the run game. I don't know if you remember those days, Chip, but the offensive line was not very good. Uh, you did have a running quarterback in, um, you know, um, J.W. Walsh. Uh, you were, you know, breaking in. Eventually, you'd be breaking in Mason Rudolph, but it was actually Yersich that went out to South Carolina and recruited Rudolph. But uh, that first year, um, you had J.W. Walsh and you had uh, Clint Shelf. And, uh, you know, they traded off. They played both of them. There was not a, a really top-notch running back, which is unusual for Oklahoma State. Usually the Cowboys keep a couple of really good running backs. But they were really kind of barren in the run game. And it was amazing what Yersich did with uh, J.W. Walsh using a quarterback that could run a little bit. Uh, he was able to almost manufacture with smoke and mirrors a run game to balance off the throwing game, which was which was pretty good at the time. And uh, he was able to keep the offensive numbers up. Eventually, the Cowboys got a little bit better in the offensive line. Uh, he balanced J.W. Walsh off Mason Rudolph. Uh, during a few years. Um, but the thing I loved about uh, about Yersich, yeah, he used Mike Gundy's offensive system, but he brought a lot of his own material and plugged that into it. Uh, the other thing is, as a play caller, he was it was hard to ever pin him down. I mean, I don't know of a defensive coordinator in the league that ever, you know, ever really said, okay, I, I got Yersich down. I know what he's going to do. And the reason he couldn't do it was, he didn't always go to the, you know, by the numbers. A lot of times he would pluck a play that you wouldn't expect and put it in a, in a spot that you wouldn't expect. And that would end up being either a big play or a scoring play. Uh, under Yersich, they were able to drive the football and have some good 
you know, solid, you know, three, four-minute drives. But more often than not, it became a big play offense where they would hit for, you know, 60, um, 70, 50, 45. They'd have, you know, scoring drives. You know, I remember one year, I think the average scoring drive for Oklahoma State was like, you know, 140, a minute 40 off the clock. So uh, he was able to be quick strike, but he was also able to uh, shut it down and, and, and kind of tighten it up and, and grind out a drive. The thing I loved, I remember the first time that he uh, used turbo, what he called turbo. Uh, OSU was playing UTSA down in uh, a rare game where oh, UTSA hosted. It was a, a one-for-three deal, and that was the one time Oklahoma State went to the Alamo Bowl or Alamo Dome and played UTSA. Yersich told us in the meeting that week is, I'm going to go with my turbo package. And we said, okay, that'll be interesting. Um Neither myself nor the color guy, John Holcomb, got a word in. And when the drive was done, Dave Hunziker was out of breath. It was going. And when I went back and clocked it, and we were running, uh, we were seeing a play run by the offense every 17 seconds during that drive. Which at that time, I mean, I know some teams can go that fast now, but at that time, you didn't see anybody go that fast. So, yeah, I, I like his inventiveness. Uh, I like his gutsiness, you know, because he'll come back and, and make some calls you wouldn't expect. Uh, and I also like his relationship with the players. Players like him. He's He's got an edge to him uh, that players seem to like. I, I think he'll pair really well with Sam Ellen. Well, um, you know, there's some interesting chatter out there about whether, you know, he burns hot or what his personality is and how it might fit with Tom Herman, um, who, you know, look, he burns hot, but uh, it's a tough-minded culture at, at Texas that Herman has instilled, and his teams have played tough. They've played physical. They, they don't get blown out. Um, you know, just talk about Yursich's personality, the way he goes about his work, and, and, you know, how he goes along to get along, if you will. You know, I saw the stuff I think you're referring to at Ohio State, the reports that, yeah, that he didn't, I mean, he didn't get along, that? Um, that Ryan Day may have actually gone to him and said, you know what, at the end of the year it might be best if you look for another opportunity. You know what, maybe that's true. I, I, don't, I don't cover Ohio State. Uh, you know, so you know, I talked to Mike Yersich on occasion. In fact, uh, my wife and I went back to uh, Pittsburgh this summer and to Columbus. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons went back was, you know, Mike was up there. We were able to kind of tour Ohio State and check it out. But uh, that's hard for me to imagine because the thing that he did so well at Oklahoma State, obviously Mike Gundy brought him in, and there were some senior coaches in that, in that offensive staff room, guys that had been offensive coordinators, guys that wanted to be offensive coordinators, and were there longer. And the first thing he did was he walked in the door and told those guys, look, I'm new to this. You know, I'm new to this level. I'm going to count on you guys to help me. And I'll guarantee you every week, this isn't going to be my game plan. This is going to be our game plan. So guys like Casey Dunn, who has now left and uh, is leaving the program going to UNLV after the, the Texas Bowl the other day, 
uh, guys like Josh Henson who left after uh, Yersich did and after Mike Gundy hired Sean Gleason to replace him, those guys felt welcomed in the room. They felt like their contributions mattered. And that was something that Mike Yersich was able to create, a, a true staff where everybody spoke up, everybody contributed. And then on the day of the game, everybody felt they had a hand in it. So it was hard for me to read that Ohio State stuff and, and realize that. Now, will Mike Yersich fight for what he believes in, even within the program? Yeah, he's, he's, he's not a guy you hire and bring in that's going to, every time you say something, he's going to fall in line and say, absolutely, you're always right. He'll question you. He questioned Mike Gundy. Uh, and I know this from talking to Mike about it. Um uh, he thought yours, which was really good, thought he was ex- extremely smart. And I think Mike Gundy enjoyed having Mike Yersich running his offense. So, in fact, I, I, I know he, he hated it when he left, but actually he'd had some other opportunities, and Yersich probably stayed around longer than Mike Gundy thought he would. Yeah, Yersich became the highest-paid assistant in the history of Oklahoma State football. Right. Yes. Yes. At that time, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't you don't keep rising up in terms of salary. And again, I've told Texas fans, look, if you have any doubts about Mike Yersich, just look at his record against Texas, five and one. I mean, the guy moved the football, moved the chains. Uh, they came up with big offensive plays when they needed them, and and came you know, to own Texas. Well, and the one loss, the one loss, I don't even chalk up uh, to Yersich. He, uh, the Cowboys were in a real injury situation. That was before they busted the red shirt in 14 on Mason Rudolph, which they did after Texas sacked Dax Garman, who was probably, I mean, he wasn't big 12. He wasn't a big 12 caliber quarterback, but Texas sacked Dax Garman. I think it was seven times in that game in Stillwater. Yep. And that was the one loss. And when you had Dax Garman back there, quarterback, with an offensive line that wasn't all that good to begin with, you didn't have much of a chance from the beginning. That was that was one time where all of uh, Yersich's smoke and mirrors wouldn't have been able to get it done. <laughs> well, so when you you know you look at uh, Yersich as a recruiter, and um, talking to Robert Allen. Uh, Triple Play Sports Radio, longtime sideline reporter uh, for Oklahoma State football, you know, really gets to know these coaches uh, doing those pregame, postgame interviews. When you look at Yersich as a recruiter, what uh, what do you what do you come away with, Robert? You know, he only his only job was to recruit quarterbacks, which is what Mike Gundy does with his his coordinator, quarterback coach. You, your job is to go find the quarterback in the class every year. He, um, I mean, he had some busts. Uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier and said, you know, he had Nick Starkle lined up and Starkle decommitted, at, you know, about three weeks before signing day to, to switch to Texas A&M. And Yersich came back with Keandre Woodty, actually beat TCU. It was a head-to-head deal with Woodty. He was a quarterback out of Shreveport. Uh, between Oklahoma State and TCU, OSU got him. But, you know, he never played because Yersich came back the next year and recruited over him when he got um, Mason Rudolph. Or I guess that was 
Rudolph was the year before, and Rudolph ended up being a four-year starter. And so, you know, Wood T was never more than a backup. And you had the walk-on that came in, uh, you know, out of out of West Texas. Uh, corn corn uh, dog. And corn dog, yeah, Cornelius Ta- uh, Taylor Cornelius, and he was a recruited walk-on. I mean, that was a guy that that Yersich literally recruited to walk on. Liked him, so I had seen his tape. Uh, his most recent recruit is a kid, uh, Brennan Costello, out of California, and Costello was a freshman this year. Yeah, ended up being 14 by the end of the year. Just kind of fell down the depth chart. So I don't know if he's going to work because the quarterback OSU has in their class is a four-star kid from California that's 6'6", 220, a kid named Shane Illingworth that was an Under Armour All-American that's going to come in midterm, and I think it's going to be his show along with Spencer Sanders. They'll be the two competing for the job, I think, here for the, the next couple of years. But – no, I, I thought he did good. The one thing he also did, he jumped in and helped other coaches. Uh, I think he helped seal the deal with Langston Anderson, the wide receiver from Midlothian Heritage that uh, he and Casey Dunn made the last home visit uh, with uh, with Langston when he committed Oklahoma State a year ago. So I, I think he's a good recruiter. Um, I don't know how Tom Herman does it, but if he has him recruiting offensive linemen, that, that hadn't happened in a while for for uh, Yersich, he's mainly a quarterback, quarterback whisperer. Right. Well, that works. I mean, that's the most important position on the field, no doubt about it. Um, okay, so when Yersich left Oklahoma State, Robert, talking to Robert Allen, uh, Triple Play Sports Radio, longtime sideline reporter for Oklahoma State football, when Yersich left after the 18 season to go to Ohio State, why do you think he left? Well, both he and his family, or both he and his wife, Julie, are both from Ohio. In fact, Julie's folks live 45 minutes outside of Columbus. You know, for a kid that grew up in Ohio, and, you know, he played it, uh, you know, he played small college football, but uh, he had coached as a GA at Indiana. Uh, he'd been around those parts. Obviously, he was over at Shippensburg coaching when Mike got him, but never lost his Ohio roots. So I think coaching at Ohio State, it was a slight bump in pay, maybe a slight bump down in responsibility because he was no longer the play caller. He was a pass game coordinator, quarterback coach. But to get his family back up there, in fact, that's the one thing when Texas went, uh, I knew Texas was going after him. That's the one thing I thought might keep him up in, in Columbus is being close to home. But uh, when you get a chance to call the plays again at a school like Texas and they're paying – you know, 1.3 is what I heard. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, uh, you know, that's hard to turn down. And he knows this league. It's not like he's going somewhere like he did with Mike Gundy for the first time. He's coming back down here to a league that, you know, he's only been away from for a year. He knows he knows the guys in this league. He knows that Iowa State defense that that people have been running, the, the, the pressure three, drop eight. Yep. Rush three, drop eight concept. Um, now, Grinch will be a learn for him because, you know, Grinch is new at Oklahoma, but for most, for the most part, he knows the coaches in this league. Well, Robert, when you and I first started talking about Mike Yersich uh, a couple weeks ago, your reaction immediately was, it seemed, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just 
that it, it would be a really good hire for Tom Herman. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if it seemed like I didn't want him to be at Texas, that probably was the case. Because <laughs> it's just like I, I, I said to him, you know, in, I'm, I'm, it's going to be tough to see you on that other sideline in Texas Orange because honestly, you give Mike Yersich the, uh, the kind of athletes that Texas typically brings in, um, you know, the, the infrastructure that you've got in facilities and, uh, you, know, you know, everything that goes with it. Uh, Austin, you know, because Austin's one, if not the greatest, it's, it's, it's one of the great towns in the Big 12. Um, you know, I, I can even see him hanging with the Minister of Culture and, and that those two guys will get along pretty good. So, yeah, I, I, I would say this is a, I would say this is a home run hire for, uh, for Tom Herman and, and Texas. I, I think the guy's a tremendous coach. Uh, believe me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blow smoke up Chip Brown's, you know, tailpipe. I'm just telling you that, that Texas is getting a good coach that, you know, even when you're deficient in some areas, he finds a way uh, like I said, to make it look like, you know, that you've got something you maybe don't and and make that impression to a defensive coordinator so that he respects the run game and doesn't completely blow it off and and uh, and beat, you know, and, and stop the thing that you really do the best, which at, t- at the time for Oklahoma State, it was a passing game. People didn't respect the run, but he found ways to make them respect it. Well, Robert. It's great stuff, man. Really appreciate uh, you taking some time for us. Uh, everybody at Texas, obviously, this is foremost on their mind uh, now that Tom Herman has made his other coordinator hire after hiring Chris Ash as his defensive coordinator, uh, hiring Mike Yursich as his offensive coordinator. Happy New Year to you, my friend, uh, and to pokesreport.com and continued success on Triple Play Sports Radio, my man. I'll be watching. Uh, I'll be watching the Alamo Bowl. Big Twelve needs a bowl win. Oh boy. Oh boy, <laughs> do they? Um, so, Robert, you're the best. Really appreciate all it. Right. Okay, Happy New Year. Thanks. Thanks, Chip. All right, there he is, Robert Allen. Will uh, the flagship podcast rolls on? Great stuff there from Robert Allen and from Bobby Burton and uh, Chip Brown. Glass half empty, glass half full. I feel like you guys compliment each other very, very well because of that. You know, but Chip. uh, I think that's the new name of that segment, don't you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. I think that is spot on. You said that and, you know, I'm sitting here across because I think it's important for the two of you to talk about these things together and. I'm just like, when you said that, I started like laughing, you know, <laughs> chuckling in my head about that. But, you know, moving forward here, we spent, uh, we have spent a lot of time talking about the last decade and it has been a very forgettable decade <laughs> for the University of Texas. To just put it succinctly, yes. Yes. And, uh, and so looking ahead, Chip, I want to hear kind of what you're looking forward to what you, you know, ending this year, ending 2019, what you are thankful for in 2019 and looking ahead to in 2020. Well, when I hear you say that, I think, and I think Texas athletics, I think of Andrew Jones mm-hmm. uh, in his battle with cancer and his determination, his fight right. to um, be, be back on the basketball court. And he's living his dream 
because he believed and he went to MD Anderson where they have the best uh, treatment for cancer in the world. And we're so lucky to be in, in the state where MD Anderson is housed. And I would, my mom died of pancreatic cancer. My one regret was not being able to convince her to leave Michigan and come down to MD Anderson right. and, and be treated by the best in the world. Um, but um, Andrew Jones did, and he has fought every step of the way. And it's great to see him back on the basketball court. We should be thankful every single day for every breath we get. Yes. Because we've all lost loved ones. Um, we've lost them way too soon. Um, and so I'm thankful to still be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to you right now, Taylor, <laughs> but I'm really thankful for Andrew Jones and, and seeing him uh, overcome that fight with, win that fight with cancer and, and get to resume his, his love, his passion of playing basketball for Texas. I think most people know I'm not crazy about Shaka Smart as the head coach at Texas, but I am crazy about Andrew Jones. Yes. And his outlook, his personality, his demeanor, he's a good teammate, and I'm cheering every step of the way for Andrew Jones. Um, how about you, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what you're thankful for for 2019 before we go into 2020? You know, I, I mean, I 100% agree with that. And, um, you know, we don't get too personal talking about our personal lives, but, you know, my, my brother passed away from leukemia when he was nine years old and I was six years old. And seeing Andrew Jones, I feel like, just brings – so much hope to a lot of people. Um, my husband also had cancer and he thankfully has been now 11 years cancer free, but he also was treated at, at MD Anderson. So I was able to God bless you know, him. Yes, absolutely. And I've been to the facilities there and I mean, it is unbelievable the amount of work that they do and what they're able to do. Um, cause even with my husband's cancer, you know, it was one of those where it was so rare that he was accepted as a patient there. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. And so glad to see that he was able to recover and, you know, live a happy and healthy life. And I'm really just praying that Andrew Jones does have that too. Um, you know, I think another person is Darian Brown. I think that, you know, after he suffered that stroke in um, January earlier this year, that was, I think there was a lot of questions about if he would survive or recover. And when Tom Herman gave the news on um, the first signing day back December 18th, I believe it was, that Darian's been cleared for, you know, physical activity. I mean, my goodness, like talk about just God's blessings on um, that situation. So I'm grateful that he is not only here and able to be at the University of Texas and able to play, you know, be around the teammates and get a college degree, but also possibly be able to play football again. I mean, that's such a miracle. Um, And then I'm going to be a little personal here, too. I would say uh, personally, I'm grateful to be around because I was in, you know, an accident back in July and I was so grateful for you and Jeff and Bobby and Mike really stepping up and, and Clint Buckley too at the time when he was with us. But uh, when I was involved in an accident, you know, I, you know, I was like, we kind of joke about it. I felt like I was brain dead half the time for about five weeks, you know, had a concussion that the lingering effects of the concussion lasted for a while. And um, so, wow. Scooter accident. Yes. An electric scooter accident. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful that it could have been so much worse. I've heard so many horror stories that people have been through 
and the fact that I was able to, I wasn't really able to walk away. You know, my husband had kind of carried me away from it. Um, and I had some lingering effects. I still, you know, my face isn't the same looking and my body's not the same looking, but still it could have been so much worse. So I'm grateful that I was able to walk away from that and that I have coworkers like you and Jeff really step up because that was, you know, it's hard. Like that was right before fall camp started and I couldn't go to some of the practices because of it. And you guys just went above and beyond. I couldn't, you know, I'm so, so, so grateful for you guys hey, for doing that. <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you let's do the at, same for me. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my and, goodness. I would Jeff, do anything so. for you guys. Yeah. Like, you know, our, our team at Horns 24 seven, I feel is, the strongest it's ever been. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to be a part of that team and to work with all of you guys and, um, you know, in 2020 and beyond. Absolutely. All I'm right. E- so. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Okay. So for 2020, mm-hmm. okay. So we're saying goodbye to a decade. Yes. So this Texas, Utah Alamo bowl is going to be the last bowl game of the decade. Yep. And it was a decade that Texas fans will find forgettable, especially in comparison to the first decade of the 2000s, yes. which was the golden era of Texas athletics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, national championship in football, two national championships in baseball, final four for the men and women in basketball, uh, Eddie Reese continuing to dominate the, the swimming pool on his way to now 14 national championships, the greatest of all time. Uh, and then this past decade, there was not one season for football with four losses in the first decade of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Every season in the 10 to 19 decade had four losses. That's at so least. crazy. So it, it, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not trying to bring people down. <laughs> so I'm ready for this new decade to be a launch pad mm-hmm. of arrows going up yes look it may not be as good as that first decade of the 2000s all those national championships and final fours and whatnot but why not Mm -hmm. I say why not and I think Chris Del Conte thinks the same way I'm excited about him as athletic director think of all these facilities projects that are going to be completed in the in the next couple years right uh football the football renovation should be ready for the 21 season uh, basketball, the new basketball arena should be ready in early 22. Um, that's exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. New practice facility for basketball. I'm, I I, bet you a donut <laughs> that we get a new indoor practice facility for football in the next decade. And, and so I'm excited about all that. Yeah. I'm excited about the newness. But I'm also hoping to see the arrows go up yes and that we see uh, texas return and compete with oklahoma for god's sake five straight big 12 titles in football for oklahoma yeah lincoln riley every year is a head coach every year he has ever been a head coach won the conference championship yeah like come on who who has done that right i mean i can't think of any i mean i no coach of texas has done that not in texas history right at football no Man, okay. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm really inspired to rally the troops. Come on, Tom. Come on, Tom. You <laughs> got these new coordinators. Uh, how about you? You know, I think I agree with your take. You know, I think that um, 
there's a lot of things that Texas fans should be very appreciative of and thankful for, and I think it does start with Chris Del Conte, the athletic director. I think he, um, you know, when he was hired, I thought that was probably the best hire that Texas could have had, um, and I think he's, a, you know, he's a great AD. I mean, shoot, at football practice when I first saw him, after my accident, he came up and gave me a huge hug. Like, mind you, like, you know, I, I know him in passing very, you know, and but never really are buddy-buddy with too many people. And uh, he came up to me and gave me a hug and was like, oh, my gosh, I saw the pictures of your accident. Like, are you okay? And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I'm making it, you know. But uh, I think that Texas has a really great athletic director at the helm right now. And after – you know, I think DeLoss Dodds was great when he was at his prime. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Texas really just needed a significant change there and um, stability from the head department, you know, the head of the athletic department. And I think they have that. And I think Crystal Conte will do amazing things. He already has in such a short period of time. I mean, he revamped the entire football fan experience. And I can't tell you how many, I mean, my husband's an Aggie, spoiler alert, sorry guys, but my husband is an Aggie, and he, you know, going, it was almost like a joke among Texas A&M fans about how pathetic the Texas game day atmosphere was for football. I mean, you have this monster stadium, and sometimes it's half full, and people are sitting down, they're getting mad at people for cheering, or, you know, it's like every, every time out or every after every play something has an ad you know it was it was it was awful oh, it was awful like let's just be you, honest Chris yes and he changed all of that so I think that having him in charge of Texas football and Texas athletics in general is a huge huge step up I think um you know he will continue to be what he has been for Texas and what he was at TCU as well and I think that the sky's the limit for Texas as long as he is in charge when it comes to what an athletic director can control you know obviously he can't control wins and losses on the field but he can control the coaches that are there and um, you know I think I think for what I would say is for 2020 I'm really looking forward to is just seeing a different product of Texas football like because this last decade was a beatdown. I mean for fans for people who cover the team I mean people think that people in the Texas media market might be jaded, but it's kind of hard not to be sometimes based off of what type of product you are covering. So I think that, I think Tom Herman has made some good hires while I was not, and that still kind of, you know, I didn't necessarily agree that Todd Orlando should have been fired. I thought he probably should have given, allowed him one more season to try to turn the defense around um, just because of the amount of youth and experience, inexperience and injuries there. But I do think that Chris Ash will be a good fit for uh, what Tom wants to do. And I think that, you know, Mike Yersich is a great fit. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what type of product Texas can put on the field, on the football field. Um, and I think, you know, I think fans should be excited too. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's sad. It's always sad when people lose their jobs, when changes happen, because these are people that have families and, you know, they, their livelihood is based off of, um, 18 to 22, 23-year-olds, and that's a difficult, very difficult task. But I do think that, you know, Tom did a good job in finding the guys that will be the best fit for him as a head coach and for the program. So um, I, I think that's what I would say I'm most looking forward to is just seeing a different product and seeing how these type of changes can really be better for the future of Texas football. Yeah, I mean, no one has more at stake than Tom Herman. Yep. So Absolutely. he 
had to go find guys who were going to make or break him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, make him. Yes. <laughs> because um, when you fire both coordinators, you're down to no more mulligans. Oh, no. I mean, this he, is it. Yeah, he lit up his own seat, you know, by right. doing, doing that. But And that happens. We, we uh, talked yeah. about it. We've talked about it on previous episodes of the flagship podcast. Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban both reset yep. after after year one. Mm-hmm. even and and got it right and so now we wait to yes. see as Bobby Burton so uh adeptly put it today mm-hmm. I like to wait and see what I'm getting before I just throw my my arms around a higher or call something a home run higher right yeah but I think I think there is reason for uh excitement and optimism and that's that's saying a lot because this was a tough season and there were some tough losses and then to to see both coordinators fired, uh, you know, going into signing day. And, again, kudos, as you mentioned, to the to the coaching staff that held that signing class together. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, Jason Washington, the recruiting coordinator, and all the staff members who are out there uh, bringing that class in for a landing and convincing them to, hey, just wait and see and trust, and now, now we'll see. Yeah, and commit to a program out. that – they don't know if it's even committed to them. And that's, you know, I wrote this on signing day because I was, I was very surprised to see every single commitment sign. Um, and that's not, it's not a knock against anybody, but the reality is these guys, you know, these assistant coaches are the ones that have been building the relationships with these players, these recruits for years. Um, you know, Tom Herman's in charge of it all, but he only goes, you know, in home like once with these guys and uh, doesn't go to a lot of, you know, the um, other functions that the assistant coaches have to do. It's the assistant coaches do the, the majority of the recruiting. And obviously Tom plays a huge role in it as well. But still, I think that the fact that they were able to convince all of these Sign, now signees to actually sign their letter of intent on early on National Signing Day, um, even without their own future known at this point. I mean, that just shows the level of character that Texas currently has in its assistant coaches. And I know some people will disagree. They disagree with me a little bit saying that, you know, it was that's their job to do. But to convince people to commit to a program where that program may not be committed to them is a difficult task, regardless of who you are, what you're getting paid. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's human nature to be questioning your own stability. And, you know, we talked to Craig Niver this week and he said it best, like we would be phonies if we're sitting there and telling these guys to be mentally tough and be, you know, locked in and focused and all of this, if we're sitting there worried about ourselves. And so I think that, you know, that's one thing with any of these changes that are probably coming down in the future I think that Texas does have a good staff currently in place right now um, these assistant coaches I think are they they prove themselves so much and you know even if they're not at Texas they'll land somewhere because of the way that they were able to prove themselves and stay sticking true to you know these kids and doing their jobs when their jobs may be gone in a few days well get over to horns247.com and uh and follow along all the recruiting coverage uh, yes. from Mike Roach and all the incredible analysts at 24-7 Sports because we are entering recruiting all-star game season. Mm-hmm. And um, and Texas, as Tom Herman said, four to five, he expects to sign four to five more kids uh, in February. So stick to all the uh, coverage at horns247.com. And everybody have a safe and happy new year. Here's to 2020. Uh, This has been episode 13 of the flagship podcast. 
We'll see you next week in 2020 <laughs> on episode 14 of the Flagship Podcast for Taylor Estes, Managing Editor of Horns 24-7, The Godfather, Bobby Burton, and Robert Allen. We thank you all for being a part of it and for listening to episode 13 of the Flagship Podcast. Happy New Year.